0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide
1: Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
0: See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to the Big Cruise Podcast. This is episode 74. My name is Baz and this episode was recorded on Saturday the 2nd of October. And uh, what a week it's been, and of course in this past week it has been International Coffee Day, which reminds me to thank each and every one of you that have supported uh, this podcast via Buy Me a Coffee. I'm sure you've heard the adverts in previous uh, episodes, there will be an advert a little later on if it is your first show. Basically, Buy Me a Coffee enables you to uh, make a donation to keep uh, this podcast uh, producing each and every week, and uh, we thank everybody that has uh, supported us in the various different forms over um, the past seventy three episodes this week was also international podcast day and that reminds me to thank each and every one of you that has uh, listened liked reviewed shared um done anything to uh, to uh, show your appreciation of the podcast uh, we really really do enjoy the interaction that we have with you, our listeners, and without you, it would not be at all possible. Coming up in just a moment, Chris Frame will be here answering uh, a listener question, which also forms uh, maritime history. That listener question came in from Gary in New South Wales. In fact, there was three questions as part of Gary's question. We'll be answering those in just a moment. If yourself, you do have a question, send it in via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com in the top right-hand corner. Join the show, and that's how you can send... Uh, listener questions and also how you get in touch if you want to do a cruise review and we've had a couple of you get in touch that have been doing cruises around the UK and the Med, and we'll be getting you guys on the show in the coming weeks but uh, let's get straight into it let's get straight into today's episode let's get Chris on the line and talk all things maritime history and cruise news enjoy that time of the week to bring back our favourite maritime historian and cruise news deliverer, Chris Frame. Welcome back to the show, mate. Cruise
3: news deliverer. Is no, like... that really a word? <laughs> it's like a fruit and vegetable deliverer, milk deliverer, cruise news deliverer, <laughs> coming to a supermarket near you. <laughs> As it came
2: out of my mouth, I was like, that's
3: not right. Oh, that's Let's Oh, that's it. Oh, it's good. Why not? Uh, you've had a week off,
2: mate. You've been down the southwest and you're back refreshed and ready to go.
3: Yes, it's been lovely to just... Um, Step away for a bit. I mean, it sounds like I do that all the time, <laughs> but um, yeah, back at it. And it's interesting actually because the the place that the place that I was staying the last time I had been there was actually as a cruise passenger on board the Queen Mary Two. Oh wow! Um, so you know, um, here in, in Australia, we're all um, holidaying at home at the moment still, but it was uh, it was a bustling cruise port last time, uh, just a few days before the cruise pause came in to effect so it was a bit um, nostalgic to be back there and to to see uh the pier all empty so yeah it's interesting <laughs>
2: Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you had a nice break, mate. Um, We've got a list of questions. It's three-part to this list of questions that Gary sent in. And uh, this kind of frames out, again, uh, maritime history. But there's quite a lot of detail here. And the first one, we actually uh, took a bit of time to to get the true answer. Between us, we thought we might know the answer. But we did call upon uh, the media department of the uh, Australian Navy. Mm -hmm. um, And they did come back to us with an answer. So the the first part of Gary's question from New South Wales was, do Navy ships use harbour pilots, e.g. the Australian Navy, when visiting Garden Island? in sydney i thought i knew the answer you thought you knew probably an answer from both the the u.s military and also from the uk uh, what was our gut feeling on this one
3: well we we thought that um it would be either that they would have to utilize the same sort of pilot rules in international ports mm-hmm. um, and that in the local ports they probably would have onboard experts and mm-hmm. that certainly seemed to be um that they the case from um, from a historical perspective as well. But, you know, there's so many different navies and the questions come from so many different parts of uh, the world that we weren't mm. really confident enough to say that definitively. So you reached out to the Royal Australian Navy yep. and, and they gave you a response.
2: Yeah, no, they were great. So the defence spokesperson said, and this is literally word for word, the Royal Australian Navy is exempt from the requirements of using harbour pilots in Australian ports. Our warships carry specifically trained personnel who are capable of carrying out these navigational and ship handling duties. Foreign military vessels visiting Australian ports are not exempt from the harbour pilotage requirements. These duties are carried out by the Royal Australian Navy trained personnel or by a local harbour marine
3: pilot. So we were pretty much right yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it But is i good did to want have, to check yes it's very good to have that um that uh, you know certainty in, in the answer particularly when it has something to do with uh with, with the military like that so it was um was great for them to get back to you so so quickly
2: yeah no and they were great so thank many thanks to the media department at uh, australian defense now the second part of uh, this question from gary um is probably your little speciality here chris mm. what is the maritime evolution of bow thrusters and
3: stabilizers well let's start with stabilizers so um passenger ships uh back in the in the early days when steamships first came into into service they had the paddle wheels on both the starboard and port side to to drive them across the the ocean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and no stabilizers that we would recognize today Um, when they moved across to the um the, the propeller which was sort of in the 1880s, 1870s, 1880s, when most of the ships started to move across to propeller-driven propulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, even earlier than that with, with with some ships, ships like the Great Great Britain, for example, you'll notice that the, the hull um, under the waterline um, towards the bottom, it has a quite distinctive shape with two very sort of comparatively small but long sort of fin-like, uh, structures that kind of jut out at the bottom. It's called mm-hmm. a bilge keel. It's mm-hmm. not separate to the actual shape of the hull. It just sort of comes down on the port and starboard side and then tapers downwards away from the hull briefly, then comes back to complete the, the bottom of the vessel. And the bilge keel um, was, was sort of like an extension of the ship's keel and it helped to improve stability, mm. but is, is again... By modern standards, still included in the design of ships, but not anywhere near the way that stabilizers work these days. And of course, mm-hmm. these days we have big fin stabilizers that um, extend from outside of the ship. They're kind of like a, an airplane wing almost mm-hmm. in their in their design. They they are attached to gyroscopes that um, that allow them to help correct the motion of a ship. So that is now the original was the bilge the bilge keels, and then um, there's all the steps in between. So basically. Um as ships got bigger and passengers became sort of more selective, I guess, on what ships they wanted to travel on, particularly those who were traveling in first and second cabin or second class, mm-hmm. um, things like stability became much more important. Now, if you look back at uh, the early days of the steam ships or even more, all the way up to ships like the uh, Mauritania, for example, in the 19, 1900s uh, all the way through to the 1920s they didn't have um, these these fin stabilisers or any proper stabilisation technology. And in fact, they used to have all these funny little remedies to help you feel better on board the ship. Um, <laughs> Cunard captains uh, were famously quoted as saying that if you're feeling ill on the Atlantic, um, just eat nothing for 24 hours and then drink champagne and you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and funnily enough, they also used to do um, funny little things like um, they, they would tint the mirrors. Um, put a coloured tint on it so that if you were feeling seasick and under the weather and you'd lost all your sort of colour your because color. you're feeling like <laughs> you're going to be sick, um, you could look into the mirror and it would give the illusion of you looking a little bit better than you were and they thought that <laughs> that, that would help you overcome. And, in fact, that's one of the reasons why if you have the opportunity to, to visit um, the Queen Mary, if she ever reopens, in in Long Beach, mm-hmm. um, you'll notice that all the, mir- the mirrors on board the ship have a, a, a um, sort of a yellowish pinkish um, pigment to them um, and that's 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 the reason why they, they used oh. to try and trick you into feeling better um, so you know definitely not um, scientific <laughs> um, in their approach now um, the first ocean liner large-scale ocean liner to have stabilization technology that we might recognize as what kind of similar to what we have now was the italian liner contadessivoir um, they had actually used gyroscopes in smaller ships um, prior to this to help correct the motion of the ship but the Wire was a, a large-scale express liner and she had them installed when she was built and she became um the most uh, stable way to cross basically the atlantic mm-hmm. and they used to advertise her with that and it was very effective um, she was noticeably less um she moved she moved noticeably less than, than the other um large liners and she actually became very popular with celebrities and, and stars of stage and screen, as oh, well wow. as um, politicians and dignitaries, because of course when these ships used to arrive in New York, for example, uh, all the all the liners across the Atlantic, if there was anyone famous on board, the newspapers, the newsreels, you know, yeah. camera crew would be there to, to 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 photograph them, and the, the feeling was that traveling on Condé de Savoie whilst she moved a lot less, you might feel less seasick so when you're being bombarded by the press, you probably look better in the photographs <laughs> so um so she became very popular with that and um the the technology involved in that was three large gyroscopes within the hull, and they kind of moved um, sort of counter to the to the motion yeah, yeah. of the vessel and helped to correct the ship's movement now mm. this is of course not the fin stabilizers that we we know of. That then was developed out of this gyroscope technology. Um, it was then retrofitted onto many of the um, of the great liners. And in fact, even Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, all the way up until the 1950s, had no stabilizers. But in the 1950s, they got Denny Brown stabilizers, which were the British built design,
0: yep. which was
3: also used on board the QE 2. Um, the big liners like Mary, Elizabeth, Kiwi 2, Queen Mary 2, um, they actually have four stabilizers that can extend from the side of the ship many Mm -hmm. of the cruise ships these days only have two Mm -hmm. um so again it's just because of the 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 route that they're going to be taking you know the atlantic's much rougher than cruising journeys but you can definitely tell when a ship has um it stabilizes out when it doesn't because the, the motion is is noticeably different yeah um in terms of bow thrusters and in fact stern thrusters as well which is a thing um, now this is of course to help with the maneuverability of a ship yeah um, so ships of course all ships used to rely on tugs um, which required uh, you know tug captains and crews and the, the expense of using the tugs to get the ship in and out of port um, and they had this uh, I guess this idea in the in the 1950s um, that if they were to to put a propeller in a in a sort of cylindrical shaft through the, the bow of the ship, um, it could be help, used to help move the, the ship's bow in a port-to-starboard motion, mm-hmm. which would reduce the need for, say, five tugs down to maybe three. Um, so early examples of this, I mean, a ship like Canberra, for example, had one bow thruster in the bow of the ship. Um, Kiwi, so that was in the 19, early 1960s uh, by the nineteen late 1960s kiwi2 for example had two bow thrusters in the in the bow of the ship um then if you look in the 1980s when the france was converted into the norway Mm -hmm. they not only put three bow thrusters in the bow of the ship but they also put a stern thruster at the back of the ship so she now had the ability to to i mean with the bow thrusters you can actually do a, a 360 but it's it's quite slow and you have to monitor the way that the ship's drags happening because there's nothing controlling the stern yeah. apart from the propellers um, which is possible of course QE2 did it but with the stern thruster now you had that extra um, control over the, the back end of the ship and so she mm-hmm. could move in that kind of pirouette sort of style that we see the cruise ships doing now um, and go in and out from the side of the port, although not as effectively as as, as modern day ships do, because um, they now use pods, many of them. <laughs> but the ships that still have propellers, and in fact ships are still being built, cruise ships are still being built with propellers, will quite often have those those stern thrusters employed as well. So modern day cruise ships, you'll see three bow thrusters, sometimes four. Mm. Um, I think the Oasis class has four. I might be I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it has four. Okay, um, and the, the ones that don't have pods, they have the, the stern thrusters. How, how can you tell? If you're looking at the side of the ship where the where the thrusters are located, you'll see on the hull of the ship a circle with a line through it or a circle with sort of triangles pointing inwards painted um, where those bow thrusters and stern thrusters are. So if you see, say, three on the front and two at the back, you know it's got thrusters. If you see the three at the front and none on the back, you probably are on a ship with pods unless it's an older cruise ship. Um, the pods, of course, can rotate 360, so they yeah. do the job of the thrusters. Um, and they're much more powerful nowadays than they were in the olden days. Um, in fact, <laughs> um, I, I have been told by a former, uh, well, when QE2 was in service by one of her officers that her bow thrusters were like hair dryers compared to the modern-day <laughs> um, <laughs> modern cruise ships. So, you know, as, as with everything, the technology improves um, over time.
2: <laughs> it's yeah. funny actually we I think I've spoken before we did a boat holiday which is a self-driving boat um, down the canals of Europe we were on the Venice Lagoon and our houseboat actually had bow thrusters and it made a huge difference mm. when you were trying to uh, to get alongside and tie up your, your home for the evening
3: yeah there's actually a, um, a YouTuber um, called Casual Navigation who has a great channel and he's done a brilliant video that explains how the thrusters work and how a ship mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you can't quite visualize it, check out his channel um, okay. because it, it just shows examples of – and actually how a ship with thrusters and propellers can actually do the same thing. It's just a lot, a lot more difficult because you've got to run one propeller forwards and one backwards to get that kind of motion going. Yeah. But he, he's um, – I would say from, from the, the level of um, information, he's uh, got a, a, a navigation background. So mm. it's definitely worth checking out.
2: Yeah, good to know. And uh, the last part of, uh, the, of the question from Gary was, which cruise line, in your view, has the best loyalty program?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I have um, actually, I'm, I'm not really involved in that very much because most of the tri- trips that I go on before COVID were, were lecture trips, so you don't get involved in the loyalty program. So I might have to leave <laughs> that one for you, Baz.
2: Yeah, and actually, I'm I'm the same with cruise lines as I am with airlines. I'm not particularly loyal to, to anybody. I'm, I'm more of the opinion... I'll take the, the the if it's an airline, I'll take the fastest route or the the easiest route to to get somewhere, rather mm. than being loyal to a particular airline and the so same it's, with it's cruise easy lines. For me,
3: it's easy for me with airlines. I I i definitely I know which one is my favorite for airlines. But when it comes to cruise lines, I mean, I could say, um, I could say a few that I I have been involved with before the lecture started. But you know, it's been yeah, and they've they since yeah. I cared about that. So <laughs> so yeah.
2: Um, and having spoken to cruisers um, locally here in Australia, um, the two probably most popular loyalty programs are probably Princess and Royal Caribbean at a similar kind of level. And I think the Princess one is relatively easy to get to a status where you, you get your laundry included and you get... Just little things that make a big difference if you cruise quite a lot. Um, So certainly Princess is doing well. Royal Caribbean is good in that you can actually share within reason, and it's not identical across what was the three brands. Previously, it was, of course, Royal, Celebrity, and Azamara. So if you were particularly high on Royal, Azamara or Celebrity would also acknowledge that status when you were traveling with them, which doesn't really happen with the the Norwegian family or either the, the Carnival family either. Um, But Mm. one cruise line that does exceptionally well in attracting people with this high loyalty status on another cruise line to try their cruise line is actually MSC. Because if you're, let's say, platinum or whatever level with anybody else, MSC will actually recognize that and reward you to the same level on your first cruise so that you... Are encouraged to go and try the the MSC offering, and a lot of people do try MSC for the first
3: time. Yeah, um, because they they can get whatever they want. You can wear. do a status match with MSC. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, Same, a bit yeah,
3: like yeah. the airlines. Yeah.
2: So uh, that, that does prove well, but I think uh, internationally, I, I I wouldn't know, but certainly here in Australia, I'd say probably Princess and Royal are kind of up there, and I think with Princess, um, your P and O Australia certainly used to qualify for you. For the same same reward system. But I think it is a little bit different with P&O UK and Princess, um, certainly in more recent times. But um, mm. yeah, that's as much as I can really offer, because as I say, I'm not particularly loyal to, to anybody. I choose my my ship and my itinerary based on
3: what I feel like doing, to be perfectly Loyal to just- cruising, but not to one yeah.
2: particular program. <laughs> and I think every, every cruise line is a little bit different. It's good to try everybody. Yes. Um, but I do know that you know a lot of people do want free laundry, or they want... Uh, you know, free cocktail hour or whatever the particular cruise line is offering you. Um, yeah, you know, each to their own, I guess.
3: I mean, I think the thing is that, like, the, the difference in my in, from my perspective, I suppose, with um, cruise line loyalty programs and airline loyalty programs is that with airlines, you're going to spend quite a lot of time uh, potentially in transit, mm-hmm. and so there is definitely, you know, if you've got say a high tier with one of the airlines. And you can go into their airline lounge, and you can um, get access to upgrades, and um, yep. you know, potentially, as has happened in the past, which is one, a wonderful experience. Be at the gate, and then be given a new boarding pass, and find that you're going to spend twelve hours in business class rather than in economy <laughs> class. Um, that is a fantastic uh, perk. But so it, it it makes sense, I suppose, if you're if you're looking at the same route. Mm-hmm. To, to go on the airline yeah, that's yeah. going to offer you that when, when it comes to cruising um you know there's so many different voyages there's so many different experiences all the ships are so different from each other um even if you had two ships that were going you know from from uh, say southampton to southampton via a few different ports in the mediterranean if you did the two different ships from two different brands you might have a completely different kind of experience um depending on which ship it which ship it was and what their sort of brand attributes and that sort of thing is so it's a little bit different than spending say 12 hours on an airplane where if you've got a flatbed you've got a flatbed or if you've got a chair you've got a chair and it's kind of like similar and those airport perks are really good with a cruise line you might be more willing to wait a little bit longer for embarkation to try something that's completely different yeah, yeah and i think definitely. that's one of the things that we've really like delved into here in the podcast is looking at um all of its different news and stuff that we've been talking about it's just i mean in the last 18 months it's broadened my um, Horizons so much on all the different brands that I want to try once cruising really kicks you know back in for for yeah. all of us around the world. Yeah, no, it is.
2: So, Gary, I hope uh, it's quite a long answer to your three questions. There, we're almost twenty minutes into the podcast, but uh, thank you for that. It's a great question, and um, we we look forward to, to anybody else sending through their questions. If you have got a question or you want to review a cruise, then send it through via the website thebigcruisepodcast dot com, and in the top right hand corner, click on Join the Show. Now, Chris, a quick short break, and then we'll be back with the latest cruise news. Sounds good. So Chris, we've got a lot of cruise news as always to get through this week. I'm going to start off with this week. It's uh, news for the cruise industry here in Australia, but a little shout out to any of the travel industry that is actually participating into the Norwegian Cruise Line's Walk for Wellness. It started uh, yesterday, the 1st of October, and we're all being encouraged to try and walk anything from 5k a day to uh, to doing something a little bit mindful and uh, taking your 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 mind elsewhere. Um, and doing a little bit of me time. So anybody that's Mm. participating, there's over a 1,000 of us that are doing it around Australia. I am one of them. I did my 5Ks this morning already. And uh, we've got a few little challenges today. We had to find uh, things on our walk that spelt out prima. So we needed a P, an R, an I, an M, and an A. Ah, yes. got mine, and I'll be submitting those later. So uh, good luck to
3: everybody else that's uh, partaking in that. Well, you'd have submitted yours by the time this goes to air. What were yours?
2: um, Okay, so I had a playground for P, yeah um or i had rosé <laughs> <laughs> i need my phone i've got my phone in front of me what do i take for an r um, oh sorry a I roundabout. I walked about around ra- about yeah oh, yes. um i was we walked past the local school and they've got an indigenous um meeting point in the okay. playground so we yeah. took a picture of that um we had oh what did we have oh mother nature we just took some pictures of some flowers
3: beautiful and a we had Aldi. We walked past Aldi. <laughs> oh, okay, very nice. And, and I see also here that they're they're uh, going to. Well, they're making their first ever mindful colouring book for adults, NCL, here.
2: Yes, they have, yes. And yeah. I've downloaded it to, to give to the kids, but I haven't nice. handed it over yet. Oh, so yes.
3: because I know how popular these colouring books are. We have uh, we did the um, Cunard and yeah, the course, yeah. P&O colouring books and uh, are looking for ideas, but it's great to see that other, other places are doing them as well. Uh, yeah. I think it's something that's really, you know, lets you just relax a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Because uh, down here we're still in uh, kind of crazy times, the rest of the world is moving on, but we actually we had some news yesterday that means that uh, potentially things are going to change here in Australia. We don't have specifics yet, so we'll, no. we'll wait on sharing that particularly with western australia, but it, it looks think, like we might be turning a corner.
3: yeah, I think maybe and um you know whilst there's so much focus i guess on the on the reopening of the united states and uh, and the u k and europe that we we should also acknowledge the fact that you know australia. Is not unique in its position. There's lots of other countries around the world that are still struggling with COVID. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously for um, for cruising, there, there's lots of good news coming out of certain parts of the world. But you know, cruising was everywhere before COVID, and we still. There's a lot of places that are still still struggling. So, um, hang in there, everyone. It, it will it will get better.
2: Yeah. Oh. Into the cruise news now, we've got some news out of Carnival Australia here. They've been partnering with a local brewery in Sydney for quite a while, but they're, they're taking it to the next level with Carnival Splendour.
3: Yeah, they are. So um, it's, it's a, a, a selection of seasonal ales that has been crafted or put together um, by the Lord Nelson Brewery uh, in Sydney. Um, and that will be, you know, Carnival Splendor's obviously um, got an Australian... Um, uh, connection <laughs> so it's nice to see that they're bringing that back on board that on board the ship
2: yeah so originally they started off with the thirsty frog summer ale which was a kind mm. of tweak on what was happening in the north america they had the thirsty frog uh beer as well we had a local version down here but they've introduced three new ones which will be uh, featuring on uh, the new um the new itineraries, which will be on Carnival Splendor, and they're kind of designed to partner with different areas of the ship. So we've got a beer that you can partner with,
3: guys' burger joints. I like the way that they've uh, mentioned here that it has beetroot on the burger because Aussies, Aussies <laughs> love beetroot on a burger. I don't know what the rest of the world thinks about that. I've heard some people, what? But um, it's very popular here.
2: I guess it's like pineapple on a pizza. You either like it or you don't. Maybe I don't know. Ah, oh,
3: yes, pineapple on a pizza is <laughs> wonderful, but that's, that's a controversial topic as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Piano Australia. This time, uh, yes. they've uh, launched an, an event that's going to be happening. Uh, Flying the flag for Piano Australia.
3: Yes, yeah, so, I mean obviously, like they've they've been paused for so long now, and still with a big I guess question mark over when that might resume. Can't wait to see new the new Pacific adventure and Pacific encounter it's going to be so exciting when they do finally get into service um, but yes they're having a special event on the 14th of October it's a virtual um, version um, of the ship's entertainment um, lineup uh, so it'll have uh, you'll be able to log in and, and, and enjoy it family friendly style so there'll be some comedy some interviews celebrities music um, and some appearances from your favorite crew members as well
2: yeah so this is via Facebook of course. Uh, the 7pm Australian Eastern Time on Thursday the 14th of October and we are all being encouraged to fly the flag so you can download the P&O Australia flag, uh, the, uh, is it the insignia for want of a better words? The, the, company well, it's, flag. the
3: P- it's the P&O house flag which is, of course is shared between P&O Cruises course, yes. UK and Australia but also um, the P&O uh, Steam Navigation company's flag that, um, that dates all the way back to the, the formation of their, of their company.
2: Yeah, so you're encouraged you to download the flag there onto a phone, to an iPad or something. Take a picture of yourself um, and fly that flag and uh, share it with P&O Australia on Facebook. Uh, we'll get behind that as well. We'll get a picture of me and Chris with that uh, flag and get it sent through to them as well. Yes, um,
3: uh, it's facebook.com slash PO Cruises. So, of course, there's the two P&O Cruises brands that do have mm-hmm. different assets. And this is the Australian one that you want to be trying to, to, trying to find on Facebook there. Yeah.
2: I think the difference being PO UK on Facebook from memory has just the flag. And here we have more of a kind of beachy ocean, turquoisey hero Aussie image, theme. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sunny. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm.
2: Now, uh, Swan Hellenic, which is a brand that's kind of been re emerging uh, from the ashes, for want for a better word, they've actually confirmed that they will be operating Antarctica's cultural expedition cruises.
3: Yes. So the Argentinian government's um, recently. Um, stated that they will reopen on the 20th of October. Um, and so they'll be able to, Swan so Hellenic, they'll be able to operate their, their voyages um, based out of uh, out of Argentina, downtown Antarctica. Mm, so it'll be, news. yeah, they've got um, two five-star um, PC polar ice class level five expedition vessels. Um, and they'll be arriving, well, the first one's coming into service in November of 2021 and the second one in April of 2022.
2: Yeah, and then they've got a third one, an actual larger PC-6 coming into service um, a year later. So Yeah, at you know, the end of it's, next year. Swan Atlantic's been around for, for a long, long time in a previous form. They've, uh, they're coming back in a bigger and different way, and it'd be great to see what they, they offer when they're, they're back out on the ocean. Now, we're coming a little closer to home this time. Our friends up in Singapore must be very, very excited because they are set to welcome Spectrum of the Seas.
3: Yes, and what a great job Singapore's done at um, uh-huh. maintaining cruising throughout the whole crisis um and yes they're being rewarded i think with the spectrum of the seas she'll be doing a series of three to nine night voyages that will actually take in um, other countries Mm. Uh, so malaysia thailand and vietnam and that all kicks off later this month yeah so that's uh... Uh, sorry it doesn't it kicks off in october 2022 my apologies
2: that's right but sailings are open as of now so people will be getting behind that i'm sure of course and of course, uh, Spectrum of Sea has got lots of bold innovations, which were kind of, they, they called this uh, a plus class. So it had some extra things to the previous ships in this uh, class of ship. And uh, we've got lots and lots of information in the show notes if you want to find out more about that. 19
3: dining options at Barry. Yeah, 19 different <laughs> places you can eat. <laughs> it's incredible. I was lucky yeah, to go crazy. on the,
2: uh, the naming of that particular ship up in Shanghai uh, not too long ago, before everything changed. Um, moving on to the Windstar Cruises now, they uh, have uh, reimagined a number of their ships, but the latest ships we re- reimagined is Star Legend and she's making her debut in
3: Portugal. Yes, yeah, so she'll be sailing from Lisbon on 10-day uh, uh, trips into Spain. Um, so taking in a number of different different ports, including Cadiz and well, stopping in at Gibraltar, which of course is, is nearby to, to Spain, um, and um, uh, Cartagena, um, as well as Palma de Mallorca, so that'll be a very nice trip. And you know, you've got a huge um, respect for Windstar Cruises.
2: Yeah. So these particular ships actually were well, previously with um, Seabourn, and I think they had a little life elsewhere prior to that as well. Uh, but they moved over to Windstar uh, a couple of years ago now. But Windstar were committed to uh, to enriching them even further, and they've actually sliced and uh, extended these three motor yachts they're, mm. they're going from 212 guests to 312 guests getting a whole heap of new features on mm. board but one of the big reasons behind the scenes was they wanted to upgrade the the power plants and the engines to be far more environmentally sensitive because their ships of a certain vintage and that would then allow them to to travel and venture further so i think we're going to see yeah. some exciting new
3: itineraries when these ships are officially back out and the world is opening up a little bit more side note have you seen the film speed two Mm. Yeah, so Speed Two set on board the Seaborn Legend, which is the Star Legend now.
2: Yes, yes. of so course. So
3: if you want to see <laughs> the Star Legend crashed into a uh, <laughs> in, into a in, into a town, you can check out Speed Two, <laughs> which of course is um, the ocean version of of the Speed movies.
2: And of course, no ships were harmed or towns were harmed in the filming. No,
3: movie. I could just <laughs> wonder. Like, I mean, it was it was all done in the prior pre I think pre Carnival era um, for Seaborn. I'm just curious as to what conversations happened in the boardroom to have to have management sign off on yes you can crash our ship virtually of course into a pier and and have it run aground it's it's quite interesting actually that they kept the name of the ship and the brand fascinating (laughs) but you do get to see how nice and luxurious the seaborne experience was prior to the to the to the um the accident happening in the movie so um so yeah just a little bit of interesting side note there
2: <laughs> and we have got some extra news from Winstar, which will be included in this week's itinerary of the week. So, teasing you there, there's a great new itinerary that's just been announced, and I'll feature that towards the end of the show. Now, the last uh, little bit of news we've got in is some great news from our friends at MSC, in particular about the Ocean Key Marine Reserve. They've welcomed their first loggerhead turtle hatchlings.
3: Yes, it's wonderful to hear. They're going to be, was, they're kind of making this. Um this private island area into a, into a Marine reserve rather than just a, just a playground for passengers, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see the giving back there. And part of that is the, the conservation side of what the Island will be offering. Um, and yes, their first uh, turtle residents have been, have been brought to the Island. Um, it was actually open back in tw- 2019. So I think um, if you're going to look for positives out of the crew shutdown, the, the fact that the Island had all this time to sort of establish itself in terms of that, um, uh, that conservation side of things uh, means that when people go there now uh, they'll be able to see sort of a more advanced i guess and and yeah. um, an established uh, conservation setup than what would have been there in 2019
2: and I think I'm right in saying this that pr- previously this uh, particular island was kind of an industrial rubbish dump um so oh gosh to, yeah. to turn it around from from that to what msc has now created and all of nature returning in its splendor then it's a, a pretty big step forward
3: i did not know that but that's interesting yeah no it's incredible news
2: chris that is all we have time for this week you've been away so your chances are you probably don't have any videos out on the horizon but is there anything else happening in the uh, the youtube space for you
3: no, so the the video I I did last week before before I went away is mm-hmm. um, is the one that I will um, suggest people have a have a look at. It actually looks into how um, well the title is that airplanes devastated ocean liners, but what happened next surprised everyone, mm. and uh, it it really is looking at how cruising, as we know it wouldn't be as we know it without airplanes despite the fact that airplanes destroyed the era of the ocean liner <laughs> so if you're interested in that check it out it's um youtube.com slash official
2: of course we uh, teased that in last week's episode of course and uh, the link to that is always in the show notes always a pleasure chris um we will have a slightly different format next week because i have got some minor surgery so i don't think i'll be able to record this on friday or saturday but we might try and pre-record something a little earlier and get something out across the airwaves next week but once again thanks as always always a pleasure yeah
3: sounds good maybe next week we should do a um a live broadcast somewhere baz um and and take our picture with our p flag
2: ah sounds like a plan yeah all right let's, well let's work on that have
3: a good one all right cheers mate see you soon take care
2: hello it's me again just a quick reminder um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me A Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends uh, a coffee in the coffee shop, very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me your a coffee, you're making a small donation, and every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to, uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for iTunes and the other podcast directories to, to pick it up. So if you would like uh, that priority access, then the easiest way to do so is to support us via uh, Buy Me A Coffee. You can buy one coffee, you can buy two coffees, you can buy 10 coffees, or you can buy a whole year's supply. It's entirely up to you, but every single uh, little donation through Buy Me A Coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode thanks in advance
0: that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage